Well, good morning. Uh, we are continuing to go through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you could turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We'll, beginning, uh, we'll begin looking at verse 19. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, where you're seated are some Bibles. Uh, it's page 526. You can turn there. But as we are moving through this Sermon on the Mount, one thing that is uh, amazing to me as I read the Bible is uh, many times we just read a section of it. So we read a paragraph or um, maybe a chapter or something, and we don't get the whole scope of really what is going on. And I think that sticks out a little bit in this passage where uh, beginning in chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about uh, spiritual realities and activities that we are to be involved with. He talks about generosity. In the beginning, then he talks about prayer, that we should be people of prayer. And then he talks about fasting. Um, We can talk about these activities, and it's so easy for us to focus on these activities need to be part of who I am. Uh, But what Jesus does here is he lands at if the motivation behind these activities is not uh, the motivation that it should be, then your activities are really wrong. And that's what the Pharisees dealt with a lot, and that's why he really addresses them. But what in this passage, Jesus addresses what is your treasure? And I think this is a really simple question, but if we ask this simple question, we are never going to get the answer. Because you and I are well-equipped as humans to um, give a, an answer that's true, but then also pad the answer, where... Um, we're not going to be as honest as uh, we probably should be with the reality of what motivates us. Even in those categories, generosity, prayer, and fasting, what motivates you? What is the treasure that you're seeking after? This is where Jesus lands at this passage. This is a significant passage, and it is also a scary passage because Jesus is asking us, to really look at what is the treasure that we desire to serve and promote. What is the underlying treasure that we hold so dear? What is our allegiance to that we try to act and behave a certain way? All people have something that drives them, something that holds their ultimate allegiance and love. And until that ultimate allegiance is investigated, uh, there will be no change. And this is the message of Jesus. He does not come to tell you to behave in a different way. He comes and he wants to address your allegiance, your treasure. Where is your loyalty? And is that thing significant enough to carry you through your life? Let me read this passage. uh, Matthew 6, beginning at verse 19. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so your eye is healthy. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one 
and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and ask that as we uh, learn about this passage, that your Holy Spirit would actively uh, probe our hearts and we can understand what does it mean to treasure the things that you treasure. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's really in this passage, Jesus is addressing what do you love and what do you trust? What motivates you to make certain decisions in your life? And he goes through three categories of questions. The first one is, where is your treasure? And then he asks, what kind of eye will you have as you focus on this treasure? And then how will you serve this treasure? What does it look like for you to serve this treasure? Uh, Knowing uh, the whole time that Jesus says from the beginning of this passage that you will have a treasure. It's not that you and I are neutral people and we just we didn't, haven't landed anywhere uh, what we want a treasure. Uh, you and I will have a treasure. The real question is, is this treasure significant enough to hold you? Is it gracious enough to hold you? Is it personal enough to meet you? Will this treasure last? Is it that valuable? In this world we live in is glorious and beautiful, and there are no shortages of things we can put our treasure in. Uh, think of them as shiny things. Um, you, we leave and we are inundated in our week of shiny things that we want because it will help us feel better. And it could be uh, something monetarily. It could just be money in the bank. It could be your retirement plan. It could be... Um, a new car, new clothes, you name it. We can make that a treasure and an idol. We are so talented in that area. What is that treasure? What do you seek after in that way? But in this wonderful, glorious, beautiful world, we need to realize that the treasures that we see here are all broken and they're being destroyed. And Jesus describes them in two ways and reveals the brokenness of this world. He says, moth and rust destroy, and thieves break in and steal. What does this show? This shows that this world is not operating the way that it's supposed to operate. That you have treasures. If it is a car, if it is a house, it will begin to fall apart. It will decay and rust. Same with your money. Your money could easily just be gone. And maybe that causes more fear in you than anything else in your life. And that's what Jesus wants you to wrestle through. He wants you to see what is really the motivation that causes you to make certain decisions and behave in a certain way. Moth and rust destroy. This natural world does not operate the way it's supposed to. Thieves break in and steal. You and I do not operate the way we're supposed to. Thieves break in and steal. That's us here. And what do we steal? We steal people's reputation. We steal uh, maybe even people's money. Whatever it is, it's you and me because we live in this broken world and we desire to create a treasure that we can manage and hold on to and hold on to forever 
because it makes us feel like we're significant. We struggle to believe that this world, with all of its beauty, is not where we build and store our treasure. And you and I, as Christians, we need to be able to admit this. This is not for other people. This is for you and me. This world is so attractive. We want to store up all of our wealth and treasure. We want to store up and gather all of our relational equity and the people we care about and protect it. And we want to live this glorious life. But we'll still hold on to Jesus. But really, that is our functional God. And Jesus wants you and I to address that. He wants you and I to see that any treasure that is not him will fail you. No matter what it is, it will fail you. Is it a relationship with someone? That person at some point will fail you. Uh, Is it money? At some point, you will lose money. Is it your house? Whatever, your education, your employment, you have no promises that those things will carry you through your life and will even hold what you want them to hold. You want them to be this treasure, but that's not what they're made for. We are made as people to treasure God because he treasures us. And then when we have treasures, we're called to be generous with our treasures. Uh, We're called to give. And that giving uh, could be at this stage of your life financially. Uh, It could be relationally. You give your time. You give your energy. You give your talents. Um, That is the proper understanding of treasure. But it all goes back to what is the functional God or the functional treasure that you and I are so tempted to operate within? Just because we say we hold on to Christ, it does not mean that he is our everyday functional God and functional treasure. We can hold on to Jesus, but at the same time operate completely opposite of the way that we're called to operate. We are made to treasure things. This is part of who we are as people, uh, that we treasure things. We hold on to things. We, we, we see things that are beautiful and endearing and wonderful, and we want to gather them, and we want to actually steal from them. We try to make uh, temporary riches eternal. We try to implant Uh, This economy, the way we operate now, and we try to think that this is the way that we operate in eternity. But it's actually the opposite. Jesus talks about the way we operate in eternity, and we're to implant that now into our life. And that's how we are to operate. What does it mean to functionally operate as Christ, as your treasure? What would that look like? Every day we are reminded to store up treasure here. Uh, There's no shortage of advertisements of our eye seeing things that are appealing that we want to grab hold of and hold tight and keep them. And there's no promise that you will keep them. What is it that you treasure? 
Jesus describes two places for treasure. Earthly treasure and heavenly treasure. When we understand heavenly treasure, then we can rightfully use our earthly treasures. It is not the opposite, which is really the way we want to operate. We want to know exactly how much we save every month so in retirement we will not suffer. Uh, We want to know how much we can give so we're not going to suffer later or be in want of something. And we want to manage all the things we have. And with that, we want to say we treasure Christ. But it's actually the opposite. When you and I treasure Christ, everything begins to be put in its place. We can be foolishly generous because that's what we're called to do. And what happens with this heavenly treasure? It's described here. There's no decay, and it's not able to be stolen. This, the effects of this broken world have no impact on Christ's promises to you and to me. There's no decay, and they're not able to be stolen. We are called to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. When we begin to value what God values, we begin to build up these treasures. What does God value? You know what he values? And this is key to understanding this. He values you. That's what he values. You, as someone who's trusting in Christ, you are his treasure. And so we can't say, well, God doesn't really understand treasure. He does fully understand treasure, and you are his. You are his child. You are his workmanship. You are his um, uh, inheritance. He loves you, and he lavishes grace on you. This is the one that is calling you to treasure him. But that is really key to understanding it. Otherwise, we, we, we could feel like we're extending ourselves into this relationship with God, and we could get to the point and say, well, God, what have you done for me? How have you extended yourself? How do you treasure me? What God does is he shows you first. He says, this is how I treasure you. And we'll celebrate communion this morning. And this is a sign and a symbol of how he treasures you as a person. You are a treasured, kept, embraced, loving person who lives in God's grace and mercy. That is who you are. We are called to treasure Christ, and then things start to find their place in our life. But as we talk about treasure, the question becomes, how do we find what our treasure really is? How do you find what really motivates you to make decisions? Because something motivates your behavior. Uh, We have a tendency just to look, and I see this in my parenting, and I I think this is a lot of parents, babysitters, aunts, and uncles, is our our thought is, I'm going to address the behavior of that child. But there's something that drives that behavior. And what drives that behavior is, is what that child treasures. And so in our house, we have, I have kids and we have toys and they're everywhere and they get broken. And there's a visible that, that this treasure, this little bitty plastic chair, 
is the most treasured possession at that moment. And anyone to move it, touch it, lose it, flush it down the toilet, is automatically addressing what is treasured by this child. And we think that's only a child problem. It's not. That's how we operate as adults. We're a little better, we're a little managed, like we know not, hopefully, not to yell and scream when something begins to scratch or destroy our treasure. But you feel it inside. You feel an insecurity. What is being stripped of you? And it comes out a lot in fear. And next week, we'll look at the passage on anxiety. And it directly comes from this passage. Because our anxiety comes when we begin to treasure something in a way that it is not made to be treasured. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are the treasures that if stripped from you, you don't think you could recover? What are those things that you feel that you would be completely destroyed if those things were stripped from you? What fears do you have? And where do those fears point? Our functional God or treasure uh, constantly competes with the God that we profess and desire to serve. It really is, where's our allegiance? We will verbally say that our allegiance is to God above all things. But what is the functional treasure that drives you, that, that motivates you to act in a certain way and have a certain behavior? Uh, and if we only address the behavior, if we're just talking about drunkenness, and we just say, hey, uh, Stop being drunk. We just think that's best for everybody if you stop being drunk. Okay, that's a good thing to say in a gracious context. But you did nothing about what motivates them to that. All you're telling them is, that's a bad idol. Go choose another one. Go choose one that's a little easier for us to take. You know, people-pleasing. That's wonderful. We all like that. That's easier. Do everything you can to please me. That's a wonderful idol to serve under. But it comes from this treasure, this allegiance that you and I have. And what is that? What does that look like in your life? Just naming our treasure does not change us. We need something that is worthy of our affection. Just saying, that's a bad treasure. I'm not going to pursue it. There's no redemption in that. There's pure behavior modification. Um, for uh, a couple seasons, I was a ski and snowboard instructor. Don't be impressed. One of them was in Indiana. So there is a hill there. Um, and I remember teaching people how to ski and snowboard. It was wonderful. But I would tell them, you need to pick a, pick a place in the snow and look at it. And that's where you're going to go. So pick a good place, and we'd talk about it together. We'd have this conversation, and we'd choose it, and then I would tell them to ski or snowboard there. Inevitably, this would happen. They would look, 
they would see that, but the corner of their eye, they see trees. And they would end up in the trees every single time. We have this discussion. What happened? They said, well, I was looking at that spot. It looked wonderful, but I saw the trees, and I was more concerned about their destruction. And so I focused on it. And you and I do the same thing. What do we treasure? This is a glorious treasure. In our treasure, maybe we want to stay away from sin. And so we focus on the tree because that's sin. I'm going to try to stay away from it. And what happens then? That tree, that staying away from sin, becomes your treasure. And what happens? Your life will revolve around staying away from that. What guides your life? What rules your motivation? What is the treasure that you serve? Where is your treasure? When we learn to value our future state as Christians, we actually become more valuable in this temporary world. When we live as people that treasure what Christ has done and that we are treasured people, you actually become a richer, generous, deeper, more humble, motivated person in your life. Because you're treasuring something that's actually made to be treasured. You're not taking a treasure and stripping its worth to fill you. You are treasuring something because that thing, Jesus, he has treasured you. And what happens? We will begin to see all people as people made in the image of God when we begin to treasure Christ. We will value people over materials. We will value time and patience and not just something to get through. We will begin to value what we were made to value. And we even may value suffering. But what if your treasure is not things? What if you can stand here and say, well, I'm just not materialistic. But you have other treasures. And if it's not Christ, it's something that will inevitably destroy you. And you will do everything you can to manage, shift things around, change your behavior, adjust things in your heart and direction so it won't destroy you. But inevitably, it will. What drives your heart? The next question that Jesus uh, poses by making statements. The question is, what kind of eye will you have? Verse 22 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the darkness in you, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The set vision of your eye, your desire, tells what your life will be full of. I think what's interesting here is the word used is uh, lamp. The eye is the lamp of the body. Um, it, he doesn't say the eye is the window of the body. Uh, the, a window is something that's static. It's, it's there. You only see something through it. Light is dynamic. Light moves out. It has an effect. It has change. What you focus on with your eyes in this beautiful world, when it's the wrong thing, your eyes are not light projecting toward people. 
you actually are in darkness. What does it mean that the eye is the lamp of the body? Either you will be full of light or you'll be full of darkness. There's no neutrality here. There's not a third option. Full of light, which moves toward people. It's projecting. It is generous by nature. What does light do? It doesn't stay within the light bulb. It moves out. When we treasure what we are called and made to treasure, our eye becomes a lamp and shines, and we become generous people. It is the focus of your eye and the desire of your heart that fills your life. This is who you are. This is what shapes your behavior. The things you look at and your desire of your heart, the things that you treasure. Because if your eye and your desires, you will build and you will acquire and you'll, you'll seek fulfillment and contentment. In those things. What is the treasure in your heart that you truly desire to protect and to keep and to find value in? What is the focus on your, of your eye? It is not your behavior that guides you. It is the eye and the heart that guide your behavior. The purpose of being full, when it here talks about being full of light and full of darkness, is this search for contentment. This is a search for peace. Uh, There's something wonderful about being full after a meal. Uh, There's a window of healthy full and then sick full, but this is the healthy full. (laughs) There's something that uh, we love, that sense of just being full and content. What is the treasure that you seek? And in that treasure, what is the contentment that you seek? What do you want that to look like? And is that treasure actually made for that thing? So full of light that you naturally give off light. Being full of light is equivalent to being someone who gives and is generous. This is who we are called and made to be. And then the third Section, Jesus poses this question by these words, how will you serve this treasure? Rather than asking a behavioral-focused question, why did I do that? Which is what we do. Why did you do that? What were you thinking? That's usually how it's framed, at least internally. That, it always comes before that statement. What were you thinking when you did that? What was going on when you did that? And we'll talk about our behavior. Well, I punched that guy because I was just really angry. And then we can have the discussion. Well, let's, don't punch people. It's not nice. But the real motivation is there's something inside of you that you treasure your anger in your own form of righteousness and judgment that you think at that moment the functional God that you have is greater than the God that you have an allegiance to. And it's greater than the God that has an allegiance to you. In that moment, ask yourself these questions. In your moments of your sin, in that moment, what did you love more than anything? In the moment of anger, of lust, of selfishness, of slander, of gossip, 
in that moment, what did you love more than anything? What was the functional God or functional treasure you were trying to protect? And in that moment, how did you believe that God wasn't sufficient? How, how in that moment did you, did you believe that Christ truly was not enough? What did you want your anger or lust to accomplish in that moment? And then you will begin to see what is your real treasure and what is your real hope and the thing that you're truly living for. And this is why Jesus addresses this. Because as he talks about being generous and being prayerful and fasting, He's saying it really is not going to make any sense until you treasure what you're supposed to treasure. When we understand how God treasures us, then it just makes sense that we become generous people. We become people who communicate with God. And we become people who sacrifice for the good of other people. Figuring out what we treasure is not that hard. But wanting to figure out what you actually treasure, that's the hard thing. Because we don't want to. We want to just stay in these, this peaceful time of my allegiance is to Christ. All the while, you hold a functional God, a functional uh, treasure that you operate within. Uh, Jesus says that's not going to bring any contentment. It's actually going to bring more frustration to you because you're trying to serve God and money, God, and other things. And you and I are not made for that. Do you really want to know how deep a root of dissatisfaction with God that drives your behavior? Do you really want to investigate that? And there's two questions. One is, do you as a person want to really start to Peel the onion of your heart and look at what motivates you. And then the other question is, because this is done in relationships with people, do you want to engage in that relationship with that person? Where they're beginning to share the rough, hard, brutally honest things in their life. Do you want to do that? This is not just someone saying, yes, I would like that, and I'll go sit home and have quiet time, um, and God in his grace and patience will reveal it to me slowly. He might do that. But it's also done in relationships with people. Are we a community that is willing to ask the questions about what truly motivates you and not just focus on the behavior of someone? We can do that all day long. That's very easy. We can talk about our behavior. There's no redemption in that. Jesus came to transform what you treasure. You, you, you are not content now in your life. You're frustrated. There's, you're angry. You're judgmental. There's a treasure problem in your life. It's not a behavior problem. It's not a different job. It's not a different relationship. It's a treasure problem. Our behavior is driven by our desires, so shaming ourselves for our actions does nothing but make us feel bad. There's no redemption when we focus on our behavior over our heart. 
And so what do we need to remember? Is that first, Jesus does not come and tell us, you're treasuring the wrong thing, you need to treasure this. What Jesus does is he comes and he says, you're you're my treasure. He, He says, you, you are my treasure. You are my beloved. You are my child. You are the one I lavish grace on. And in this, I want to walk with you as we begin to peel away what is the real treasure that you want to hold on to. That's what Jesus does. So really, you first receive from Jesus. You receive his grace, his generosity. You receive his hospitality. And then with that, he begins to address the things that you really treasure. The only treasure that carries you through life, that is actually made to be treasured, is Christ. It's interesting. This is written to Christians, too. So we can't read this and think, oh, I understand those other people who don't perfectly treasure Jesus like I do. No, he's saying you and I as Christians, we struggle to treasure Christ. And that's why we're frustrated. And that's why we're angry. That's why we're judgmental. Because we're treasuring something that's not made to be treasured. So this morning, we joyfully come to this table of communion because God treasures us. And he doesn't just say it, he acts on it and says, I give all of myself for you. Let me pray as we prepare our hearts to come to this table this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are abundantly gracious and you do not come to uh, purely deal with our outward behavior, that you come uh, to teach us what it means to treasure you. And I thank you that you have taken the full, first, complete step and that you treasure us. May we embrace that and rest in that, and may we become generous, light-giving people. In Jesus' name, amen.